Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Thank you to our epic listeners and sponsors. Send us any and all questions or comments to info at theabstractathlete.com. Please stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on upcoming events and workshops. And do not forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And a reminder to listen to our upcoming second podcast called The Abstract Doctors Podcast and follow us on social media under The Abstract Doctors. Really excited today to to chat with my buddy, a conversation that is really pretty timely and important as I talk with former college soccer player, musician, and doctor of infectious disease and hospital epidemiologist, Gonzalo Bierman. Going to talk about his college soccer career, his love of music and drumming, and some of his favorite drummers, and make sure to check out his band of Vagabond Dandies on Instagram. Of course, we will discuss living in COVID world and what we should be doing. Welcome, Gonzalo Bierman. I think for you, like, what's cool to me is, like, you know, here you are, like, Obviously, we're going to talk about COVID, but um, that sounds good. That's the only thing I know anything about. So <laughs> but no, I mean, like, but no, I mean, like, you're you're a doctor. Like, obviously, there's I mean, even before COVID, there's lots of stresses as a doctor, and you're but you're a musician too. So, like, you you fall into this category of like things that we talk about, where creativity is like a really important stress reliever or relieves anxiety and stuff, and. So that, you know, like, and you know, like at the beginning of these things, I am recording anyways, but at the beginning of these things, like, I always just like to have you just like tell people who you are, like, and, you know, and then we just kind of meander about, um, and, and see where it goes. But I think, you know, again, like to me, it's like, I'm interested, you know, did you play drums in college as a stress reliever also, like when you were going to medical school and, and stuff like that? You know. So since you are talking about stress relievers and this is called the abstract athlete, I, mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if you knew, but I was a four-year division one college yep. soccer player. Yeah. 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 You told me that. Yep. Yeah. yeah no, and so that it's... was like a huge stress reliever in many ways too, yep. for particularly medical school, because after playing college soccer, I still played for a local club football or soccer team. Where did you Buffalo. do that? Buffalo. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. I knew you played, I knew you played college soccer because I think we talked about that. And so yeah, like you are like, day. You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then med school went to Buffalo, but I played for a club team, which is amateur, but it was very competitive. Uh, and that was really, really helpful yep. uh, to get my mind off the pressures of studying for exams. Yeah. Or, well, and that's I mean, what we, we taught. I mean, I sent you, I sent you our, um, one of our workbooks to like hand out to nurses. Cause my, my sister's a nurse out in Arizona and she's right. been giving these workbook things to all the nurses just to decompress because I mean, right it's a shit show, like what they're dealing with out in Arizona. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's and, and Texas and yep. Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, like, that's like, to me, you know, like you do kind of encompass all of these things that we talk about, like, you know, you're an athlete or former athlete, but you're, I mean, I'm sure you still, I know you bike, don't you still bike? Do we yeah. I yeah. still play soccer. Yeah. Although yeah. soccer that's, season's canceled. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> So but now I'm on the bicycle, yeah. taking on my aggressions, pedaling yeah, or you know, I, the flowers. I just, I, yeah, I, it's, I like work out twice a day sometimes just because it just, it's groundhog's day. But I mean, you're a musician, like, I mean, like you, you do all these things that we think are like really good for us as humans in terms of, you know, the stress relief stuff that, you know, that, we, you know, which can influence or, or, or help with health as well. So like the, uh, you know, just all those things I think are just like really cool. So, um, yeah. so just wing it, just go. <laughs> all right, well, Gonzalo, is, who are you? Uh, uh, hello everyone. No, <laughs> thanks for enjoy- inviting, inviting me Ron, yeah. uh, to your, your podcast. It's a real honor to be with you and your listeners. So my name is Gonzalo Berman. I'm an infectious diseases specialist here at the medical college of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth university. Uh, also a hospital epidemiologist, so dealing with like limiting the infections within a hospital so that people, when they come to the hospital for some sort of care, 
don't end up having an infection as a complication. Now, generally, people didn't give two hoots uh, about us infectious <laughs> disease specialists and epidemiologists, and now we're like popular all, all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Unfortunately, yes. I guess this COVID has really brought us into the forefront. Yeah. Uh, so now it seems that our opinions and our services and our recommendations are in hot demand. And, and not only from the hospital, from the healthcare system, but also from the public, sometimes government officials, uh, sometimes uh, the media. So it's kind of a, a 24-7 living the COVID world at present, which in many times, you know, as, as when, I, when I start thinking about that uh, and, and get a little depressed about the intensity and the, how long this is on, ongoing, that this is what we've been training for uh, all our professional lives, so to speak. So. Right. It's time to rise to the occasion. Right. Now, that, I mean, that does have to be like really intense to like go from that. I mean, we like since we met, which was, I don't know, seven years ago, maybe now. Something, that. Like, I, I mean, I remember like being kind of fascinated by what you do. And like, I remember talking one night over at Tom's about some of that stuff. We always kind of talked about music and stuff and art and stuff, too. Because, I mean, yeah. that's another thing that you did. And I don't know if you still do this. You started an online literary journal, correct? Yes. And that journal, despite bad management with me as the editor in chief, it's thriving. <laughs> so uh, despite bad management, we, we do really well. And uh, really, no, no, all joking aside, I have some amazing collaborators right. uh, working. Dr. Megan, uh, Dr. Megan LeMay, I'm sorry, Brianne Dubinsky, uh, Rebecca Vokes are all working on this with me. And they've really, really, really put the project to keep it going. Uh, it's actually the number of submissions we get yearly, uh, quarterly continue to go up. The quality of the productions are very nice. My only regret is because of funding issues, we're unable to really do a print run as much as we would like. But it is available, open access, EPUB, PDF, to anyone who has internet connection. We get a lot of downloads and a lot of visits. And what's the, what's the site? Uh, so it's it's a medical literary messenger. It's a VCU uh, okay. associated associated publication. Okay. It's independent but associated with VCU. So if someone was interested, they can Google medical literary messenger, and that's where the first hit. Okay. Cool. No, I mean again, like to, that. You just do lots of different things that I think. I would assume benefit you mentally <laughs> because you are in yeah. a you are in a super stressful, even before COVID, this is a super stressful job that you're in. I mean, um, it can be stressful. Yeah. I, I would say that I, I kind of gravitate to the things that I've always liked. As a boy, I was always fascinated with sports, football, or sorry, soccer, yeah. uh, to be more specific. And uh, so I still do that. I've always been a huge fan of music. Uh, and obviously being born in the 1970s, I'm not sure my age now, you know, kind of <laughs> a product of the late seventies, eighties with the music scene and the bands yeah. and the influences I had at that time. And I learned how to play the drums, I think starting in, starting I think at the end of fourth grade or so oh, okay. played through junior high and high school and those kind of things. And that was a big outlet for me. And then there's the reading and reading has always been fascinating for me, fiction, nonfiction, and doing some writing, although most of my writing is scientific admittedly. So I tell you all that because what I dedicate my time to apart from my work is to those kind of interests or ongoing interests, which are going to be still with the soccer league, which is unfortunately canceled right now. Yeah. Um, the working with the medical literary messenger as the editor in chief and reviewing some really high quality publications or submissions that come in for that magazine. And then of course the ongoing music that I like to do. Do you actually still watch soccer? I mean, you got to be happy I, like, cause it's back in some, I mean, I've been watching premier league, like crazy because that's the only sports on right now and yeah i am watching it it's yeah. a little uncanny at times you know you don't have many spectators no. so you know it's it we can live without soccer but i think we'd live less well without soccer yeah no i'm i'm the i'm like i'm i'm i love soccer i'm a baseball guy but like I, to be honest with you any sports to me like is just soothing i'm for lack of a better way to say it so to have soccer back on has been pretty pretty nice and watching that chelsea was it chelsea man city yesterday uh was a, an unreal man and Pulisic, Pulisic is is unreal i like it's kind of you know the the great american hope man but um i'm waiting for yeah. waiting for messi to get number 700 at this point so 
but it's coming too. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he had it the other day, but, but no, I mean, so you, you still play, like you're still active in soccer. Even like you said, we can't, you can't play right now, but you are still, you're in a band, a four piece band. It used to be three piece when I stopped by every once in a while. Um, yeah. you added a, you added another, like a rhythm guitarist. We have a rhythm guitarist okay. now. Um, yeah, so. And you, you guys still practice in a large space, correct? Very large space. We're very fortunate. <laughs> hey, it's legal, by the way. It's yeah. legal. Yeah. We, we're not squatters. Yeah, right. Uh, but we're very fortunate to have a large practice space. We're like 5,000, 6,000 square feet. So yeah. it's great for the sound. It's even better for social distance. Right, right, right. And you guys, but you, you told me the other day you have a gig coming up, correct? Yeah, it's hard to believe. Um, I... <laughs> we, we have, so we have a gig. Yeah, we're, we're called the Vagabond Dandies, by the way. Apparently, okay, we now a... have an Instagram an Instagram page that was uh, set up by the lead guitarist okay, today. That's good. that's good. So we'll have to check that out because I, I haven't even seen it. Uh, but And we just do rock and roll, uh, smatterings of 60s, 70s, uh, a couple 80s, some 90s songs, even something from the 2000s. If we yeah. have friends for Nan cover. Yeah. Uh, and... The, we do have a gig coming up. It's at a local fan bar. It's a private party, which obviously is not going to have too many people because of the, the yeah. restrictions and social gatherings. But hey, it's better than nothing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, that's the thing. Like, it, you, I for me, when you said that, I was like, well, God, if an infectious disease doctor is going to have a gig, then it's okay. I think it'll be like 40 people there, yeah. including the band. Yeah. Hey, gonna, hey, I've played the less. I've played the yeah. less, I assure you. So. But I mean, do you like kind of going on to the, the aspect of the music and the, and the sports for you, like you do do that in a lot of ways. Cause you were talking about like when you're in college, you do that as a stress reliever and, and like, yeah. okay. it's a passion. Yeah. It's a passion. It's also to, it's a little bit more than a stress reliever in many ways. So a couple of years ago, I was interested in the whole concept of rest and I came across a really fascinating book. And uh, the, the book is actually titled Rest. And I'll tell you the name of the author because I never get it right. <laughs> it is, uh, I can find it here somewhere. Rest, here it is. The name of this is Alex Sujung-Kim Pang. I think he's a Korean-American gentleman. Uh, and what he argues in his book, Rest, is that rest is, is more than just the absence of work. Right? We right. think of rest as like, oh, I'm just not gonna be at work today. I'll sit on the couch stream Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. And it's more than that, really. Rest is really part with recovery. And recovering from work takes the form of physical activity, sleeping, hydrating, and then something that's called deep play. When I, when I first read that chapter, the title of that chapter, Deep Play, I'm like, what does that, does that mean? And then I really, after reading it and meditating on it, get a sense that deep play is really working on some sort of skill or function or something that requires attention, focus, yep. that really requires that you develop like new neurocognitive pathways. But by doing that, you're actually recovering in many ways from a work routine. So why do I say that? Because things like drumming for me, um, play plays I roll. It's, it's a deep play, whether I'm drumming by myself or trying to do, I still do lessons online. And that's cool. And uh, the, the, as you do the lessons, you're like, man, this, 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 this drum score is hard as hell. Right. How am I going to get through this? And then you realize after the course of like a week, two weeks, struggling through it, you can actually play it. You've been able to deconstruct it and play it not only slowly, but then build up the time and play it along with the metronome as per what's, how it's supposed to be played. You realize you've just learned something. Yeah. And then by doing that, you've grown. And there's kind of a recovery to it because you're not thinking about the other things in your life while you're doing yeah. that. And believe it or not, oh, this is harder to quantify not a neuroscientist, <laughs> but you've actually developed new neurocognitive pathways. Right. And by doing that, it's good for brain health. Yep. Yeah. Then we Hopefully. get, then we got to bring Dr. Sifu in here to, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, like we, we call that like we, we, as, uh, I assume that that's like kind of associated with the flow, you know, like yes. when you really truly get into, that's why when I, when I teach my, my class or, w or when Chris, my business partner and I, and Mike talk about, the, the creative aspect, it's kind of like the runner's high. It's like you get into that space and all of a sudden it's two hours later. And it's like, wow. Like the, that recovery is like kind of embedded in, and it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, you enjoy it. Like the recovery aspect is just kind of a second 
component Ex- to it. Exactly. Recovery is a component of rest. Yep. Deep play is a component of recovery right. I'm learning. Yep. And, and I didn't, these aren't my own concepts I'm ripping off yep. from this book, but you know, I'm using my own personal experiences on that. The same goes with playing soccer. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm just a couple of weeks short of 50 now. So I'm not competitive like I was when I was playing college soccer, but I come home, at least I remember doing this because we're not playing right now. We come home after a long day of work, go off to the indoor soccer center for a seven, eight, even 9 PM match. Yeah. Be a little tired going in there, but after the match, you're feeling such a sense of accomplishment, yep. kind of liberation of energy. that It's worth it. Yep. Yeah. 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 Now I, I, I that, that kind of, I don't want to say it's competition, but it is competition. Even, you know, it's different, obviously, like when you played in in college, because that was competition because it meant something, but there's still that, that competitive nature of humans to like go into those things and the adrenaline, the adrenaline starts, you know, I, I miss those things. Like I used to play basketball at VCU, even with students and, you know, like it's been, you know, five years. So I, tore a calf muscle and different things you know you get old things start breaking down but it's like you i miss those things where like that that kind of sense like you were kind of talking about that sense of accomplishment or feeling like you did something that day that i don't know it's 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 a different feeling it's weird so yeah it's kind of an internal driver too i would imagine ron right so sometimes you have to compete not against others but against yourselves or yourself and that can come in many ways. I mean, sometimes now that I'm not playing soccer, I'll hop on the bike yep. and go for a 20, 30, 40 mile bike ride. But I'm only competing against myself to see if I can maintain a certain pace, yep. a certain amount of miles per hour, et cetera, et cetera. It's really not against anyone else. Yep. But it's a way to focus. And when I'm doing that, I'm, it takes me away from the pressure, the pressures, the stress, the never, never ending issues related to COVID-19 that seem to happen around me all the time. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a good trend. Like how... How are you coping with COVID? I mean, as as an infectious disease doctor, this is like you said earlier, like you've been kind of brought to the forefront of stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's for me, like I, I try to read a lot and my again, my sister's a nurse, but it feels like it's still there's like there's still so much of the unknown with this. Um, Absolutely. Is that is that I mean, it can't be frustrating because you know what you're doing um, is incredibly difficult in terms of the science behind everything that you study. But I mean, we're in a world where we need results like that, you know, and like, you know, you know, you see Dr. Fauci come in and we're going to have a, have a vaccine by the end of the year, which seems insane, but it would be great. But it's like, I mean, do you, how do you like, deal with people's expectations in terms or not expectation well expectations in terms of like potential and reality i guess i guess the first thing i learned with with the covid19 situation is learning to manage my own expectations that was the first thing yeah. i think that goes back to that whole the whole concept that that um Buddhist or Taoist concept that you have to be able to manage yourself really first. Right. You can't manage others, understanding yourself and your own emotions. And with that, really having an acceptance this is really important that many things are just unknown and that we have to make decisions with limited data and that decision may be wrong. Right. You have to be able to accept that. Like I'm okay with that risk of being wrong, uh, provided that we've done things deliberately, clearly, and we've done things in a way that's, that's transparent so people understand why we're making these decisions. And the, the follow-up on that is that if you're wrong, being able to admit, like, we made a mistake, guys, and this is why we did that, but well, this is how we're course correcting. And that's been really helpful. And let me give you a personal example. You know, at the beginning of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic as it relates to VCU health. It was a significant shortage of two important things here. Number one was right. test capacity. And when we started in February, I think there were 30 to 60 tests available per day in the entire state of Virginia. So for us to test people, you had to choose super selectively who you would test, right. knowing that you're missing a lot of people, and then getting that approved by a central authority, which would be the Department of Health here uh, in, in Virginia, which is no longer the way we do it. But 
that was a big problem because it put a lot of tension, a lot of pressure on us by from patients, from healthcare workers, from other colleagues of mine who were really quite upset. And although they weren't necessarily upset at us, we were the sounding board of their complaints. Yeah. So that was something that we had to learn to deal with early. And the second one was the whole concept of personal protective equipment for healthcare workers. You know, we were really concerned that we were going to run out. We had to go into conservation mode real fast. The number of complaints, I wouldn't say angry messages, but certainly stern messages I received from healthcare workers and people in the healthcare setting, really displeased with our decisions was not insignificant. But learning to accept that and saying, this is why we're doing it based on this rationale. And as soon as we have the ability to ramp up or give more PPE, we'll do that. It made me feel better. I wouldn't say I was 100% comfortable, but I felt better about it. And that was my coping mechanism. The other one I think that was very helpful is, this may sound like new age, not so new age, but you know, doing 10 minutes of meditation uh, in a day, and just, just calming yourself down, really being aware of your emotions first uh, before responding to everyone else. And I was finding that it was best for me to do that at the beginning of the day before I did any physical activity. That way I could kind of set my intention for the day. Like you knew the tidal wave was coming. Yeah. You've got to get yourself mentally ready for that. Yeah. And my external outlet was, going jogging at the crack of dawn before coming to the hospital. Remember, you couldn't go anywhere else. I mean, there was no gyms or athletic centers and no swimming pools. So I'd go for a jog for 30 minutes, 40 minutes before coming to work. And that was hugely helpful. And then if I had the time in the evenings, I would sit on my drum set for 15, 20, 30 minutes. feel like I've done something uh, to get my mind off of it. Otherwise, it, the pressure was overwhelming and still can be at times because, as you know, this is ongoing. Yeah. No, and, I, and that's ongoing. Again, I, 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 just talking to my sister, um, and I'm sure it, it's the same for you, and probably even to an elevated level. Uh, it's just the helplessness kind of situation with with certain patients, where it's just like, and I think that that's the sad part to me. It's I've I know one of my former students; both of his parents have passed away. Um, that's awful, and. Mm-hmm you know, you're like, you're unable to see them. And it, and so it's like that, that when, when people pass, it's like, you can't, that connect, you know, I'm, I'm going up to Ohio next week and I'm going to be able to sort of see my mom and dad, <laughs> but you know, and you know, it's like that, like kind of like disconnect from, from family, from loved ones, whoever. And it, I think that's, what's been, been really strange to me and and i mean even friends it's like that i i i from the beginning of this like shut myself down like i i like you know didn't the only people i would see were my neighbors um i've been out a couple times in the last month right went to lowe's but i like i'm getting groceries delivered you know i'm just and i'm you know like i'm healthy like i work out every day but i don't know that that it's like you said it's like there's there's still this unknown it doesn't mean that stuff can't happen. So it's, I think it's, it's frustrating when, and I'm sure like for you as, as a doctor, just with the, the knowledge of the mask issue. And it's like, when there's people that are not wearing masks out and I'm just, I look at them and I just want to start yelling at them, but I'm not, but it's just like, just wear a mask. I mean, I don't get it. I just, I I, I struggle with that too, because, um, I mean, I can see when someone's not going to wear a mask when they have a severe respiratory condition and it's difficult, makes it difficult for them to breathe. And yeah. obviously you have to take off the mask to eat and drink. I mean, I get that. Yeah. Or even to go for a jog, it's not the most comfortable to jog with a mask on. Uh, but those that just kind of brazen, brazenly or blatantly refuse to wear a mask and in almost in a political statement, and I don't quite get that. I don't really know why not wearing a or why wearing a mask is like unpatriotic or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah I just I don't understand how this be- became about politics. I mean, it is now because it's like it's completely one like yeah two sided. It's it's crazy to me. I it's, like I I've always wondered because my little sister and I were talking about this. Is it worth? doing an antibody test or is that kind of yeah so that's one of the faqs i get i, I just did an interview uh just uh, i think it was 
yesterday. Today's Friday, right? So yeah, it's, I it's Groundhog's Day, man. It's every day. day right. <laughs> hey, I did an interview for Summit Media, which uh, do you know Summit Media? They they, they own radio stations. I've heard uh, of it. Was it, cool. yeah. it was on classic rock, which you know that's kind of music. I, <laughs> I was going to say that's perfect. Uh, oh, I didn't hear any my interview, but it was on classic rock yesterday, apparently on these antibody tests, and and that's why I raised that interview. Uh, but bottom line is, an antibody tests can only tell you if you've had. Basically, confirm past infection right. with coronavirus. It's really of no value if someone is symptomatic and say, "Doc, I think I have symptoms." Now. No value whatsoever. Right. Um, it is a value for either you know, public health perspectives, the health department doing studies on the number of people with antibodies to get a sense of how much burden of disease there was out there or is in the environment or in the community. That's a value, and it's probably good for people who are who are. Um, who are going to be donors of plasma or blood. Uh, you've heard of convalescent plasma. Yep. And so if you're a convalescent plasma donor and you're confirmed past infection with COVID-19 and that plasma is being used to treat people who are actively infected with COVID, knowing that antibody status serology test is probably valuable. Now, cause isn't that what Tom Hanks, didn't he donate plasma? I think. Oh, that's what I understand. I, yes. I think so. So now I, I again, like the whole thing is just so wild to me to just because I try to be very diplomatic in terms of what I read because I don't want to read bullshit because there's so much out there. And like that again for you has to be frustrating because everybody's probably coming to you for these (laughs) like random questions and answers and different stuff. Um, I I don't know. I, it, it, it's, it's one of those, it's just wild. I, I, so, I mean, for the source, of, if you're looking for the source of truth in infectious disease, uh, at least internally, as in the United States, I think comments made by Dr. Fauci are almost always spot on. Yeah. Uh, he is a leading infectious disease specialist in the United States. Uh, the comments put out by state health departments or the guidelines, I should say, by state health departments or the CDC are based on best available scientific evidence at that time. Right. And the same goes with the WHO. Um other re- reputable websites are going to be WebMD. They tend to be pretty good uh, with those kind of things. And some of the mainstream media, at least, has good summaries. I think that this is not a, I don't have any stock in this, but the New York Times <laughs> right. actually does have a very high quality section on coronavirus. I think it's open to the public, actually, you can get for free. And that has really up to date summaries on the, on the outbreak across the country and also around the world. Okay. And so, and again, like that's, that's just like good information for, for people to know. And because again, I think it's, you know, we're going basically, and you know, people are calling this a second wave now and it's like, well, the first wave never went away. This is like wave 1.0 or 1.1. I agree. This is not a second wave. We never had it really go away. Not even close. It's, it came down a little bit, maybe it's yeah. plateaued in some areas and we're really shooting back up. Yeah. There's a beautiful graph of that yesterday in the New York Times. I saw it. It's it was impressive. Yep. I mean, that's one of those things when a figure is worth a thousand words. Yep. That's now, and it's really crazy cool. to me because now you have states like New York, Connecticut, and Vermont basically talking about shutting down the borders to to people from certain states. Yeah. Uh, I think they're talking about this out west as well um, uh-huh. in Colorado and um, maybe Utah and stuff. And I mean, is that, I mean, you're obviously the best thing we can do is social distance, correct? And wear masks. And, and, and I mean, is I, I, in my head, it's like, if we would have done this from the beginning, like if every, if we would have shut down for three weeks at the beginning of this, we would be in much better shape. But then again, like you said, it became political and now it's like these States that were, didn't do anything in the first place or opened up too soon are now just shooting back up. And I, again, I assume like for somebody like you that deals with this and in real time and like that has to be just frustrating to watch. Hugely frustrating. I mean, like epidemiology of pandemics 101 is as follows. You have a new disease, pandemic, coronavirus in this situation. There's really four things we can do to blunt that pandemic. Number one is to have a rapid diagnostic test, which as you recall, we had problems with that in the United States at the beginning, which is a real problem. The, 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 the pony definitely got out of the barn super easy on that one. 
Yep. Uh, number two is treatments. And to date, we don't have any slam dunk awesome treatments. We have intravenous remdesivir, which modestly decreases the duration of illness, but had no impact on death or mortality. Okay. Number three is going to be a vaccine, which as you know, we don't have a vaccine yet. Right. It's coming, but it's not available. And number four are really the non-pharmacologic interventions. And that's really where we, I think we fell short nationwide is we weren't aggressive with social distancing, quarantine, shutting things down and uh, using face masks, et cetera, et cetera. And hygiene, all those things are not the NPIs, non pharmacologic interventions. We know that works to blunt the propagation of the disease. Oh, God. I can't imagine being in your position, to be honest. I, mean, I really can't. Like, drumming and running have to be just like the greatest thing in the world for you because, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does feel like it just. And I don't want to say it has to be stressful, but it has to be on your mind like a lot. Um, it's on my mind all the time, and I can't seem to get away from it. Um, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes I fall asleep and I just had a shoot. I'm just exhausted and I can't think about it anymore. I fall asleep. But yeah. sometimes I, I ruminate. I'm like, are we making the right choice? Yeah. Is this the right decision we're making for the health system at this time? Is this the right recommendation? Or even things as mundane as like, did I respond to that inquiry from said colleague of mine a little bit too curtly? Just yeah. because I'm in a bad mood now, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's going to weigh on you after a while. No, and I, but I... I think people have to understand that. Like, again, like using my sister as an example, like I, she was telling me something where there was like infighting with the nurses because, because the stress levels are so high and, and, you know, she, she's like a head of a department with, you know, and she's just trying to keep the nurses calm that right. if you do the right things, if you wear your masks and there, your shields and, and, you know, and you'll you'll be okay but you have to follow protocols and 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 all these different different scenarios where you know a year ago like if you slipped up it's in in some com capacity of of protection you're probably going to be okay but like when you're dealing with something that's so infectious you have to it's all I, we we talked about like that idea of slowing down just right. like to make the right choice in that don't, don't speed up because then you're going to make a mistake. So it's, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like overwhelming. And, and you talked about that earlier, like overwhelming the, the healthcare systems that, you know, again, Arizona, Florida, Texas, and they're just going to be overrun running out of space. Didn't VCU actually take over buildings with, in preparation, like dorm so, rooms, yeah. am I correct yeah, so on that? VCU was very aggressive with its contingency planning. Yeah. I have to give uh, our institution some kudos on that. So we never were overrun. We were busy. We still are very busy, actually. But we didn't require those additional uh, facilities. But yes, they did. They did prepare. I forget the name of the dorms or former dorms on the Monroe Park campus here at VCU uh, as a potential hospital site. Uh, the city and state had set up the convention center, which is right up the street, as an overflow uh, for patients in the event of COVID-19. So they were very forward thinking in that. What we did also, like other healthcare systems, is immediately, right when this started, is we started canceling all those elective procedures, elective visits to the clinics, et cetera, et cetera, just clear out the hospital so we're ready for an onslaught of cases. We were able to accept or take all the cases that came in, and we were doing that while not overusing the existing personal protective equipment supplies that we had on hand. I, I, I always thought that since we have a governor that is also a physician, I felt a lot better with the way that he handled it at the beginning. Like I think that initial shutdown till June 10th, it freaked people out because it was right. like two months. And it, but I was like, I would rather, and of course it's still being kind of extended and stuff, but I would, I, I would have, I was so much happier that he did that as opposed to like, okay, well, we'll come back in May. Uh, well, then we're going to extend it to May 23rd. Uh, well, we're going to extend it to May, you know, where you're chasing it as opposed right. to like setting these rules down right off the bat where it felt, it felt, and I'm assuming that was partially because he's a physician. Yeah. So my, I haven't had direct personal contact with the governor, but I, I did serve on I guess I still serve, although it's on pause right now, on the Virginia Disaster uh, Medical Advisory Committee, which is 
healthcare professionals, healthcare leaders across Virginia, being an advisory committee that goes to uh, health and human services, which gives a recommendation to the governor. And we were on that disaster medical advisory committee, which we gave recommendations related to um, COVID care, emergency care, personal protective equipment, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems the recommendations that we were passing on by way of health and human services, Virginia, certainly being heard and accepted by the governor. So I have to imagine that by virtue of him being a physician, he gets it, he got it, he gets it, he continues to get it. Just wanted to take a quick break. Make sure to stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com for upcoming events, pop-up exhibits, and other information. Also, check out our daily creative training journal. And a reminder to listen to our upcoming second podcast, The Abstract Doctors Podcast, and follow us on social media under The Abstract Doctors. Now, back to Gonzalo. So let's, let, let's start talking about some cool stuff. Like, let's talk about some music. <laughs> we want to talk about, I mean, you know, I mean, because I'm sure that, I don't want to say you get tired of talking about this stuff, but it's probably just a lot. Um, and again, like part of what, what we deal with is again, this idea that uh, the benefit of creativity in our world and how it benefits us as humans and all this stuff. So, so what, you know, like you've talked about like kind of the music you kind of grew up on, but what, like, who are, do you have like influences, like specifically maybe drummers and even even in your sports world like do you like were you are you a messy guy are you a <laughs> you know and like i mean do, are you, do, were you did you uh, like what's your favorite drummer i mean is is it neil Peart? i mean is it you know so i have to comment on messy so being argentine i was born in argentina yeah. i have argentine passport and a u.s yeah, passport. yeah, yeah. no um, that's why I, I can't i can't support well i can't i don't want to say support but i definitely picked messy over Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, I, that's not even a question. I mean, that's not even, not a, even question. a question for me. So no. Messi is the greatest footballer ever. I actually like him better than Maradona, uh, but we can open that up for discussion some other time. I agree. Um, I think the guy is just he. Ronaldo is a scorer. Messi is an artist. He's I, an artist. I, I, it's 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 a different game. They play a completely different game. So go ahead. So re- regarding uh, the drumming, the yeah, I think when I was younger, I was really, really fascinated by Stuart Copeland. Ah, nice. Yeah. I mean, oh. can, can I play like him? No, not even close. That guy's amazing, you know. Uh, is it aspirational? I guess. Um, although I did give up using the traditional grip on, on a rock set. I went back <laughs> to the match grip. I just can't pound it as hard as Copeland with my, using a traditional grip right. with my left hand. Um, Neil Peart was one of those guys I always admired. Not only for his chops, his blazing chops, I might add, yeah. but that amazing drum set that he has. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, I still play with a five-piece set with yeah. three cymbals, and yeah. I did I did get myself an electronic pad to the side so I can have some <laughs> cool electronic sounds too, but nice. not even close to, to being a Neil Pert level um, kid. But one thing I've actually been gravitating towards, and I told this to my wife the other day, is that I'm actually really interested in in eventually trying to learn, change gears a little bit and learn some jazz music. I can do the classic jazz swing beat, no problem there, but really jazz is much more technical. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I was in New York City and just happened to come across, it's like a wintertime, February, cold as hell and snow. It's like four years ago. And by the blue note, and it said on the front, it says special tonight, Roy Haynes was a famous jazz drummer. Oh, yeah. Like 90th birthday party. Oh. <laughs> It's like, and I'm like, are there tickets? It's like, there's a couple seats left. Roy Haynes has his band. He's going to perform for his 90th birthday party, which is this week or something. It was this birthday week. I don't yeah. think that was the night of his birthday. So I watched that. Here's a 90 year old guy on a jazz set. Just the chops are amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I got to eventually do that. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to change gears soon enough to try to start some formal jazz lessons. Oh, all, this cool. done, all this is done online. I'll still do my my rock drumming, uh, but pick up jazz very soon in the next couple months. But that will help. That like having those those chops will help as a as a rock drummer. I mean, yeah. I mean, I hope so. Uh, it certainly can't hurt, can it? No. Uh, 
I just I always I always think that those I mean isn't Charlie Watt isn't he like trained a jazz drummer for the Stones? Yeah, he's he's like that the uh he's the arc the the archetype of the the jazz drummer turned rock drummer. Yeah. There's actually a cool book uh, that I recently read. And I don't remember the title of the sorry the name of the author, but the title is called Sympathy for the Drummer. Spin off <laughs> Sympathy for the Devil. Nice, yeah. Sympathy for the Drummer. Subtitle. Why Charlie Watts matters. Yeah. And it talks about like in Charlie Watts, the Rolling Stones are really driven by Charlie Watts more than people really understand. Yeah, there's Mick. Yeah, there's Keith. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie Wood. They're all great, right? Yep. But Charlie Watts has a very unique, unique drumming style that is a combination of jazz and rock. It has touch at times, has power sometimes. Uh, it has some nuances the way he plays his cymbals and he, the way he plays his hi-hats. Uh, and the some of the ghost notes that he likes to use. Uh, we, the, the Vagabond Dandies, we're now covering um, uh, a one Rolling Stone song. And uh, you can tell when you listen to the track, you know, the, the sorry, the, the studio track of it, that uh, it's Honky Tonk Women, by the way. But when you listen to the studio, you can, you can hear the nuances of the drumming. It's not your straight up rock drumming. It's right. really pretty cool. Do you uh, guys can I play it just like him? Not exactly, but I'm pretty good. Close to it. Close to it. <laughs> well, once you take the jazz, the jazz lessons, it'll be right in right in the pocket. Do you do you guys write any of your own music? I can't remember this. No. Uh, well, our our guitarist um, and uh, singer, his name is Justin Hot. He's actually a dermatologist here at BCU. Did it, uh, have so, I met him? Was he in the band? No, you haven't met Justin. Okay. Uh, but uh, we'll get you to meet him soon. Yeah. He's uh, really quite talented. He, he hasn't. He says he's written some original stuff, but we haven't come around just. We're still doing covers. Okay. So that's when when we talk about musicianship and creativity. I find myself to be more of a musician who's kind of an imitator and trying to learn what others have done. Yeah. I'm not to the point of creating new stuff, at least not yet, but it still doesn't, it still, it doesn't mean that I still don't get benefit from that. That makes sense. Oh no, totally. I'm I mean, not writing new stuff, but I'm learning new stuff. So it's good for me. I, I think, I mean, I think we're always influenced by the ones that it, I, I, I always say as a, as a visual artist, you always copy the ones you like, but you always have to make it your own. So it's like, you right. could, you could love Charlie Watts and, you know, like listen to him daily and like have his chops down. But like when you write your own stuff, that influence is going to be there, but it's still yours. Like that way that you play it, like it's going to be a, like it's just going to be different enough that it's, it's you. And so, right, so at times I would get my, I get, I would get really frustrated. I'm going to try to cover a song. Like I want it to sound just like the track. Yeah. Right? And then I realized that playing live and sound like Trevor, two different things. Anyone yep. knows that. But I heard this podcast, a modern drummer podcast. Oh, nice. They were talking, and they were talking about like covering rock drummers. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And the two gents were essentially saying, listen, you don't have to cover the song beat for beat. It doesn't have to be exact. It's like learn the groove. Yep. If you've got the groove down, yep. you can modify it a little bit. Forget the fills. The fills are. You know, Definitely there to transition into adorns, adorn songs every now and then, but they don't have to be exactly like it was in the recording. If you can get something that still works within the orchestration of what you're doing, do it. Make it your own thing, and don't you know if the, if it if it's recorded a hundred beats per minute, but you guys want to up tempo it, try it. Nothing wrong with going to one twenty or one ten. Nope. Or even down tempo it if you think it's more appropriate. Own it. So, yeah, you own it. Basically. You know what it was? It was for a guy who was less skilled than a professional drummer. It was kind of liberating. I'll leave it that. It was very liberating. I'm like, wow, release. Yes. Release. No, but it's true. I think, I don't think you're, that's abnormal. I think, I remember when I started getting in, you know, in the bands and we were doing covers, there, there is that, that want to, to like imitate, not, you know, like, I think that's just, I think that's just human nature. And, yeah. but then like, there is like that liberation. It's like, Oh, but this is a cool song, but I, I can do it my own way, you know? Yeah, and so we, we have a four-piece rock band that's now done a cover, a pretty decent cover now, of Lady Gaga's Poker Face. I mean, that is not a rock song. Nope. That's a pop that's song. Cool. That cool. That scene, again, but, like, that, I, I love that when people do covers and they make it their own because they-, they So you, yeah. we up-tempoed it a little bit, yep. and then obviously with heavy guitars, with reverb and all that, and it sounds pretty cool. Yep. No, I was just, it's cool. I was just listening to Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. He did a version of, uh, 
May he rest in peace, by the way. I know. Oh, that like I don't get upset about about you know celebrity deaths, but his was kind of oh, he's just yeah. on another level. But he did a, a a cover of Billie Jean, and then you like listen to Johnny Cash at the end. He was doing covers. He did a cover of, of uh, Nine Inch Nails Hurt, which is just oh, wow. oh yeah, I'll have to send that to you. It's it's amazing because you know like. The written you know, the nine inch nails version is this like creepy industrial thing, and then Johnny Cash just like stripped it down to his voice in acoustic guitar, and it's just cool. unreal. And so, didn't Alien Ant Farm do like a uh, Michael Jackson cover? Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, which one did they do? They did uh, Smooth Criminal. Yeah, yeah, Smooth. Yeah, and that's yeah. A completely. I. It's almost like unrecognizable. It's its own song, and I, that's it's what it, like song. I think that that's like kind of cool. So I'm I'm interested to hear this Lady Gaga song. Yeah, well, have, to, <laughs> have you come out and take a listen to that? And give us. I'll have to be I'll have to be the forty first. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I'll have to come out to like to band practice here soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, so I, I, that was very liberating for me. The whole concept of being able to orchestrate and and uh, to have some some poetic or artistic, sorry, artistic license, how to change things while still being somewhat, somewhat consistent with the songs so are still recognizable as yeah. the original, get your own version of it. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, I was just, I was curious if you guys have anything recorded because when we, when I go into production of the podcast, you know, we always put music in it. And if you have anything recorded, I can like throw it, throw it in there. Even if it's a cover, like that's, you know. Yeah. So what well, we can, um, we just got very cool last night. Uh, Justin came in with a really cool new uh, mixer, yep. but the mixer ha- and it has multiple lines. It also has SD card in it. Oh, which nice. We can, and which we're going to record right into it yep. and listen to ourselves and kind of hopefully yep. improve from what we hear. <laughs> so I don't know. The whole thing is, as you know, Ron, it's more than just learning the songs and playing them and creating neural pathways as we talked about, but it's also kind of the, the relationships that go with that. Yep. Uh, with with being uh, with with others who have a a mutual passion, who have a an interest in in growth, growth as musicians, growth as human beings. Yep. There's just a lot of fun and banter that happens too. Well, so I, I I just you know you know it's better than me. Yeah, no, it's true. Like I just read a quote, and I'm gonna mess it up. But it's something like it's not it's not always the the end goal. It's it's the journey you know, and it, it's speaking in, in relation to creativity. And it's like, that's true. It's like, it's not always that, you know, like when I'm making a painting, it's not always, not always when, when the painting's done and going, ta-da, it's that process of going through it. That's more important than the finished product. So it's the same with yeah, the, music. It's the concept of the journey. It's yep. the destination. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably what exactly what it said, but I'm like messed it up. So <laughs> I didn't make that up. That's not, those aren't my own words. I don't have any really good original ideas you know so I mean, everything i i get i tell you is probably ripped off from someone you gotta like see, anything, shift it and make it yours see no i don't know anything that i have that's that's good isn't original and whatever's original is not so good so i gotta find a mix somewhere that's that's my my mo so to speak right 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 um i know you you probably got to be done here in a couple minutes so i'll i'll we'll we'll kind of go into a couple of our kind of goofy questions here i yeah. kind of asked you like this kind of goes with the drummer. Like what's, what are your kind of, do you, you obviously still listen to music, but what is like, what are you kind of your, some of your favorite bands that you like always go back to? I mean, I know you've, I think you've probably told me this before, but you said the, you know, Stuart Copeland's a drummer. I assume the police are. So yeah, I like the police a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's going through genres. So I do like the police a lot in terms of, like, I'm not really into metal, yeah. But I do like the Scorpions. I've always had kind of an interest in the Scorpions. It's one of those bands that like I like that. We played uh, a side we played a side stage show with them as the headliner at a at a, at a show in Columbus, yeah. Now that sounds cool. I should yeah. be asking you questions about that. It's <laughs> really cool. Uh, so I do like the Scorpions. Um the in terms of alternative bands, particularly from from the eighties, uh, I really liked Echo and the Bunny Man. I thought oh, they cool. were cool. The yeah. psychedelic furs I really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, I, I liked the Stranglers, which are really interesting really? For band from the. Yeah, yeah. You, are you familiar yeah, with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stranglers. Yeah. In fact, I I looked them up. They had a very cool concert in Paris like two years ago that's completely available on on YouTube. They sound amazing. Now the the funny part about this business, the abstract athlete Chris and I actually met working at a record store. 
Oh, that's even cooler. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> yeah. so we have like random stupid music knowledge that most people don't because, you know, back then, back then you like putting away the, the, the CDs and cassette players. You're like, who is this band? And, you know, then you'd open it and listen to it. And so, but, you know, oddly enough, I also like some synth bands uh, from going back to the eighties. Like I liked Depeche Mode. I thought they were cool. cool. Um, yeah. I actually liked the Pet Shop Boys. I just thought they were unique back then. Yep. Uh, they do a lot of techno, a lot of dance stuff. In terms of pop, I, I like some Duran Duran songs. I think oh, nice. Yeah. Sounds. And then uh, getting more recent, I've liked the Killers. I always thought they were cool. Yeah, perhaps they're a more modern version of Duran or something like that, but I thought they were cool. Franz Ferdinand, I really like. Yep. I think they're pretty cool. Arctic Monkeys, of course. Yep. Uh, and then lately I've been kind of hot on Great Event Fleet. Which is that new yeah, yeah, group, yeah. Uh, group from Michigan, maybe, or the Midwest? Yeah, that's, like that. yeah, and they're like all brothers. Um, yeah, the youngsters, they kind of sound like Led Zeppelin. Oh, so they kind attraction. And they apparently are like even dressing like him. And it's like, okay, like it's, it's, it's cool to like kind of sound like him. And, they, and they're good. I mean, I actually, I really like them too. Tom, Tom actually, Tom and Angel saw them in Coachella maybe two years ago. I think. And actually a buddy of mine opened up for them. Um, oh, that's cool. This guy named Aaron Lee Tajian. Uh, oh, I've seen him in concert. You have? Yeah. He opened oh, up for cheap trick. He played here. Uh, Aaron Lee Tajian played at the MGM in Maryland. Okay. And he opened up for cheap trick. Yep. And I got one of his vinyl records. They're really I'll, good. I'll have to tell him he's from, he's from Columbus, Ohio. It's funny. This random story. I, my buddy who owns Kuba Kuba, Manny, I was sitting oh, out, yeah. sitting outside Kuba Kuba. This is like two or three years ago. And I was just sitting there with my dog drinking some coffee. And this guy comes out and we just start talking and we both realize we're both musicians or something. I don't remember how it went. And he's, and I was like, yeah, I'm from Columbus. And he's like, Oh, well, um, we're, we just played last night at the national and, and I'm with Aaron Lee Tajden and he's inside. And I was like, he's from Columbus, or, you know, and this kid used to come watch my band. And so he actually, I actually used one of his songs on our, one of our podcasts as a matter yeah, of fact. Touching. I, I, got, I bought his vinyl record at, uh, at, at that concert. I really enjoyed it. He's got a cool, it's a combination of, I mean, it's kind of a Nashville sound sometimes. Yeah. That's where he lives rocking. now. He lives yeah. in that. Yeah. He's kind of got so that Tom his... Petty kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I also checked out a band at, I was at the national maybe about a year ago that I didn't know anything about, but I really liked their sound. They're called the black moods. Uh, black I think they're moods. from Arizona. They're oh, a trio. Okay. They're okay. a trio rock. Yeah. Straight up rock like, and roll. Man. Uh, black uh, moods. The black moods. Okay. Check them out. The, the, the lead singer or the singer slash guitarist front man has the, uh, the hair of, 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 uh, he's, he's oh kind of God. His, <laughs> no, he's, he's channeling his, he's channeling his inner, uh, Led Zeppelin said, <laughs> I am uh, a golden god, <laughs> exactly with the golden locks and all that stuff. But the dude, the dude can sing, he can play. Yeah. A drummer has some good chops, a bassist seems pretty cool. Straight up rock and roll, I think you'd really appreciate no, it. Yeah, totally. Um, like moods, yeah. couple, couple random, I because again, I know you're you're a busy man, so uh, so you've been around the world. What, like, what are some of your favorite cities and maybe? restaurants in those cities like you can you i mean you can say richmond and, and name a restaurant but, but so i mean i have been fortunate that i've traveled a fair amount yeah. and a lot of that's been related to work and what i do as an infectious disease specialist see some really exotic places and some cool places um i spent a lot of time in central america also uh in terms of favorite cities you know i guess if i had to say a favorite cultural city i mean i really like barcelona spain for yep. many reasons um, because of uh, the history, the culture, the food, the football. Yeah. Like that. Um, so that's that's one area. And I, and I really have, a, I've always had an interest, a real liking for the United Kingdom. And I think that a lot of that had to go with the music influence, yeah. particularly from the 70s and 80s. And number two, in 1992, I was a exchange student in Cardiff, Wales. And I really enjoyed that. I was in the University of Cardiff. And in 92, the... You know, Cardiff wasn't as as glamorous and um, gentrified as it is now. <laughs> Everything's gentrified now. Right. Seems, you know? right. Uh, and it was a cool place to be a university student. Uh, there was a cool music scene there. Uh, the soccer scene was awesome. I was playing for the university team and the pub scene. 
was also pretty cool. And the football. I used to go to Cardiff City. I was just gonna so say I think they had all the things that I really that really attracted him were attracted to me as a young youngster. I was like 22, 24, 22 cool. then. And it, it, had, it included obviously the music, the football, uh, the studying, the being in Europe, and uh, just the culture, the British culture. And the Welsh are very different than the English. That's yeah. the first thing you learn over there. Yeah. Like, this is Wales. Yeah. <laughs> Do not Got mess it. that up. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've told you, you know, we work with uh, Jay Demerit, who played um, for Watford, played on the U.S. Oh, okay. US World Cup. We actually did, I did a podcast yeah. with him. I mean, it's up, so I'll, I'll send you the link. But it's Definitely. super incredible, dude. Like, just 100% energy, just the nicest, nicest guy, man. So. That sounds awesome. Well. Um, uh, getting back to the thing about Wales, like, yeah. I was a big Alarm fan, and the, the Alarm oh. is from Wales. I didn't mention the alarm, but I, I did like the alarm. It. That's yep. my first CD ever purchased was the alarm. The alarm. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're good Welsh boys. Yep. Yep. No, that was like that because that them and the police to me were in that same genre and you too. Like the alarm, I think, I think people were saying the alarm was supposed to be bigger than you too at the time. And of course that didn't happen. That's hard to believe, yeah. but <laughs> I agree, but hard to believe, but yeah. I mean, the alarm was still good though. <laughs> Rain no, in the I, summertime, right? Yeah, uh, rain in the summertime. That was the hit. That was the hit. Well, on Spirit of '76. Yeah, it's another that, great. Like they, they were just a great band. I don't know. Are they still around? That's a good question. I'm, I'm gonna have to look really that sure. up now. That's yeah. a, look that you. <laughs> we learned. That, we learned that Stranglers are still around. Now. Yes, I know. That's what I was gonna say. I was surprising. That's my eyes bugged out of my eyes. Or my. I love the Stranglers, man. Yeah. Skin Deep, yeah. one of the yeah. best songs. Yeah. There you go. Well. Again, like I appreciate you doing this and we'll we'll catch up in real life here um at some point in time. But one thing you should say to people that in regards to COVID that you need to say <laughs> to end this. To end wear this. masks. Be, be, yeah. Yeah. So here's my message, and I'm sure it's not gonna be a groundbreaking message here. It's like this is far from over. Yeah. Please, you know, respect COVID nineteen because it certainly won't respect you. Uh, and uh, wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands. It's not a time to let your guard down. Yep. Cool. Well, I, man, I totally appreciate it. As I said, I know this is it's like pleasure. crazy, crazy time. Um, let me know when you guys are practicing. Um, I might, I'm actually possibly, I, I have to drive up to Ohio to drop off some artwork next week. And then I might drive out West, but I don't, I, you know, they they might be closing some borders down. Like, so I mean, not, yeah. You know, so and when are you coming back from out West, you know, it, I wouldn't be out there long if I'm doing it. Like I, like my business partner lives in Colorado and we wanted to kind of get some stuff done. And if I don't go out there, I I'm going up to Ohio, like July 6th, I think. And mm -hmm. like, if I go out West, I'd be out like a little over a week, maybe. Um, oh, so it's like not too long. Yeah. If I don't okay. go out, I'll be right back. Cause I, and it's, you know, if I go up to Ohio and, and just say hi to my mom and drop off the artwork, I'm not staying at my mom's house or anything like that. Right. Um, and so like it would, you know, but I'll let you know, like actually. Do you let want, me know. You've got my information. I'll send you an email. When we're say, off send, air send me, send me, I don't think I, do I have your phone number? I'll send it to okay. you. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll send it to you off air and then I will uh, send you some information on Vagabond yeah. Dandies. Yeah, That's no, when you come out, hang as, out with us. as I said, and if you want to record some stuff, like we can put it in the background of the podcast, we'll probably release this in about two weeks. Cause we'll do some production and, and edit some stuff. And as I said, if you don't, like I can put some of my music behind it or whatever, but we, we write some other music. And, and as I said, I mean, you know, that sounds whatever awesome. You want, so, so I will find, I will go to your, your podcast website, include yep. that, send that to the group. Yep. And, uh, we'll be, in t I'll be in contact. I'll send you a message in a minute with some information. Yeah. Yeah. Not like I said, it'll, it'll probably be like roughly two weeks. I'll edit, edit this down. Um, and then have it, have it spliced up, ready to roll, uh, and then drop music in, whether it's something we use or if you, if you have something, that'd be cool. So awesome. Awesome. Well, tell Donna, I said, Hey, um, I'd look I forward to actually will. seeing you guys in person sometime. So um, that sounds great, man. So, all right. Be well, man. Thank you. Be well. Thank okay. you so much. Bye, it's been a pleasure. Bye. Absolutely. Thanks again to Gonzalo for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely appreciate him taking the time and sharing his thoughts during such a busy time for him. 
Uh, such an incredibly great guy and really just want to say thanks again. As always, thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Please stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information. See you next time when we get to talk with artist and former professional football player, Brian Polly Dixon. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body, and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.